This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. Hey, we're going to now pray and then we're going to dive into the word this morning. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for who you are. We want to thank you, God, that you've spoken to us through your word in the Bible. And Father, as we open it today, we pray that you would speak to us. Anoint me for this task to, to present your word clearly and open everyone's ears and hearts to hear from you. Use this message to bring transformation to people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, Michelle and I were married in July 2004. Check this picture out. Don't we look young? You know, we had a, um, a, a great dating time and then we got married and our first year of marriage was just excellent. We rented this little two-bedroom house in, in Reesby, up near Reesby McDonald's. It was $210 a week, little two-bedroom house. And it was a really wonderful time. We spent heaps of time there. We slept in on Saturday mornings. We watched Law and Order together. We ate lots of meals together. And we just had a really, really wonderful first, time, first year of marriage. And then into our second year of marriage, we purchased a little three-bedroom house in Padstow, which the house was great, but the outside needed some work. And so then I focused my attention on fixing up our backyard. And then we changed churches and we got heavily involved in LifeGate Church. I wasn't the pastor. I was just part of the church. And I got heavily involved. I eventually went on staff. And a year later, Aiden had a baby. And all this stuff going on in our world, I then neglected my wife. There was so much going on at church, at school as a teacher, in doing the stuff around the house that I stopped pursuing my wife, giving her attention, making her the number one person on planet earth in my world, and I focused on other things, and I damaged my marriage. Michelle told me things like, Nathan, you are out too much. You are not spending enough time with me. But I didn't hear it for some reason. And it took me a few years, I think, to work it out. And as I said, I damaged my marriage, and it took us a couple of years to recover because I was deliberate in pursuing other things rather than pursuing my wife, Michelle. This morning, I want to talk to you on this topic. Three things that will damage your marriage. Three things that will damage your marriage. Now, if you're married and you're listening to this, well, hopefully these three things that I talk about will help you protect your marriage from damage. And if you're not married yet or you've been married and marriage is in your future, these things, these things that I talk about will be things that you will be able to avoid as you go into marriage. But before I talk about these three things, I want to talk to you about the importance of marriage because in our society today, marriage is not as seen as important as it once, as, as it once was. People go, in, go and live like they're married without being married. And some people go and live like they're married and never get married. And and the emphasis on marriage and the importance of marriage in our society today has, has reduced. But as we look at the teachings of Jesus, Jesus says marriage is a really big deal. And so I want us to look at the importance of marriage before we look at these three things, because I want us to look at the thing that we could be damaging. Marriage is so important that we shouldn't want to damage it. We should want to protect it and look after it. And that is the exact thing that Jesus says about marriage. 
So our text this morning is from Matthew chapter 19. And in Matthew chapter 19, verse 1, we're told that Jesus has been in Galilee teaching and healing and, and there's massive crowds following him. And then he heads south down to the other side of, of, of the Georges River in Judea. And there the crowds follow him and there's these teachers of the law, these Pharisees, these Jewish religious leaders who come to Jesus and ask him this question. Matthew chapter 19, verse 3. Some Pharisees came to Jesus to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? And look at how Jesus responds. Haven't you read, Jesus replied, that at the beginning the Creator, meaning God, made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Now, at the time, people were getting divorced for all different types of reasons. And so the Pharisees come to Jesus and say, is it okay to get divorced for all different types of reasons? And then Jesus responds in six ways. I want to look at those ways briefly now this morning. I want to go back to Matthew chapter 19, verse 4, to the first response that Jesus says. He says, haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female? And he goes on to say, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife. Well, there's three things I want to point out just from verse 4. The first thing is that marriage is God's idea. It talks about the Creator there, that God is our Creator. And if God is our Creator, then He's the one who designs it. He's the one who sets the rules. He's the one who sets up the best way to go. And we're told that God created marriage, that He made the male and female, and then in verse 5, that the man will leave his father and his mother and be united with his wife. Marriage is God's idea. And if it's true that God is the creator, the sustainer, the one who made it, he knows what's best for us. And God says marriage is a good thing for people. It's his idea. The second thing, it says that marriage is between a man and a woman here in this text. And the third thing, he says it's from the beginning. Marriage wasn't something that was made up a few thousand years after people walked on planet Earth. No, from the very beginning, the first people were married, Adam and Eve. They, they, they became one flesh and they um, gave birth to humanity. Three things from verse 4. Let's now look at verse 5. Jesus said and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. The fourth thing Jesus says about marriage here is that marriage is about starting a new family, that the man will leave his father and mother and be united. The wife will leave her father and mother and they will start a new family. Marriage is important because it starts a new family. It is about two people becoming one. In marriage, two people become one physically emotionally. They become one as they go about life together. Two different people, two different backgrounds, two different directions coming together and doing life together. Friends, marriage is a big deal. Then in verse 6, Jesus says, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. The point I want to make here, point six, 
is that marriage is for life. It's not intended to be a short-term thing or a thing until things get difficult. It's supposed to be for life. And this thought that Jesus, that Jesus says here, what God has joined together, let no one separate, that went contrary to what was happening at the time. Think back to verse 3. The religious leaders say, Jesus, is it okay to get divorced for any and every reason? They were thinking things like, maybe you don't like your wife anymore, or you're no longer satisfied, or you simply want to change, or there's too many arguments in our marriage, or we're, or we're, or we're heading in different directions. Sounds a lot like today, hey? People are getting divorced today for all different types of reasons. But here Jesus says, it's supposed to be a lifelong commitment. Let, let no one separate. It is supposed to be light, lifelong. Marriage is supposed to be lifelong. And then in verse 7, this is how the Pharisees respond. Well, why then, Jesus? Why did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? If marriage is supposed to be for life, well, why did Moses, back in the Mosaic law, give people permission to be married? And they're referring back to Deuteronomy 24, when Moses writes that it, that is permitted for people to get divorced. But look at how Jesus responds in verse 8. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. In the beginning, God set up marriage to be lifelong. But because people's hearts are hard, meaning they're not forgiving like they should be, they're not loving like they should be, they're not giving like they should be, their hearts are hard, people are all about themselves, Moses gave you divorce. But that is not God's best. That was not God's plan from the beginning. From the beginning, it was supposed to be a lifelong commitment, but because of people's wickedness, sinfulness, selfishness, all about them, God permitted divorce because their hearts are hard. But then Jesus takes this divorce thing to a whole nother level. He says this, I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits Adultery. At the time, people were getting divorced for every and any reason. I'm sick of her. I'm sick of him. He won't change. She won't change. There's too many arguments. Jesus says, no, they're not reasons for divorce. If you're going to get divorced, Jesus says here, it's about except for sexual immorality. It's about a really serious thing that happens in a marriage. Really, really serious circumstance where you can be permitted to have divorce. Now, is sexual immorality the only reason why you can get divorced? Well, I don't think so. And many Bible commentators agree that Jesus isn't saying that sexual immorality is the only thing here where you can get divorced. He's talking about the severity of sin, the severity of breakdown. And an example of this is around abuse. If there's physical abuse, sexual abuse, ongoing emotional abuse, ongoing abuse in a marriage. That is a, not a safe environment for a man or a woman, depending on which way the abuse goes. It's not safe for them to be in that relationship and they should get out and they should separate. And if things can't be reconciled, divorce is appropriate. Here's the point that Jesus is trying to make. 
Divorce is only for the most serious of circumstances. Divorce is only for the most serious of circumstances. Friends, marriage is a big deal. Marriage is special. And here again are the seven reasons. Number one, it's important because it's God's idea. It's between a man and a woman. Marriage was from the beginning. It's about starting a new family. It's two becoming one. It's for life. And divorce is for the most serious of circumstances. Friends, marriage is God's gift to us. It is a way that he has designed us to be in relationship. It is a beautiful thing that God has given us. And the Bible talks about marriage in other ways. It describes it as a picture of Christ and the church, where the Christ is like the man and the church is like the woman. And just as Christ gave his life for the church, so the man is called to give his life, to lay down his agenda and honour her and serve her and love his wife. And the wife is called to love and honour and respect and submit to her husband just as the church does to Christ. It's a beautiful picture. And then we could talk about some of the statistics and some of the research that has been done about marriage. Some of the research tells us these are general, general principles, general research, that it's more stable for children when they grow up in a married relationship where their parents are married. In marriage, people are generally more financially secure. People live longer generally in a marriage relationship. And people are generally healthier in a marriage relationship. Friends, marriage is a big deal. It is a great thing and it must be protected. Marriage must be protected. And so now we're going to look at this. What are three things that will damage your marriage? I've just said Marriage needs to be protected because it is a, it's God's thing. It's beneficial for us. It's beneficial for society. It's what God's given us. We must protect it. So let me now tell you three things that will damage your marriage. Now, as I thought about this, what would, what would be three things that I'd like to bring to you today that could damage your marriage? I thought of some of the obvious things, like Jesus talked about sexual immorality. That's a that is the thing that just devastates marriage because it breaks trust and some of that can sometimes never be regained, never be re regained that trust. I also thought of what I said around abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse in a marriage devastates, breaks trust. And some of that just can't be reconciled. I mean, sometimes it can be, but it breaks down marriages, damages marriages. But I didn't go with those things. I went with something that you may not think are as obvious, but these three things are huge in damaging marriage relationships. The first one is this, poor communication. A lack of or not communicating well, poor communication. You know, as a pastor, I've, I have the privilege of sitting down with married couples who are struggling. And as we sit, I say, what, what do you guys want to talk about? And they will regularly tell me the issue. It might be financial. It might be intimacy. It might be in-laws or outlaws. It might be who's responsible for what. And, and, and as we start to talk through these issues, and, and as I help them communicate well, 
usually, and I say usually, now it's not every time because sometimes there are some deeply rooted issues in people's lives, deeply seated stuff, and they need ongoing help and counselling and prayer ministry and support to get free. But, but, but usually as I help people talk through their issues, I find out that the issue they, that they thought was the issue wasn't really the issue. Their issue is poor communication because as I help them talk through the finance issue or the intimacy issue or whatever it is, they can talk it through and come up with a way forward because I've helped them communicate. Where their real issue is poor communication. Because when you don't communicate properly in a marriage, you get frustrated. You get angry. You say things you shouldn't say. You get hurt. And it's like a snowball effect where you get a snowball that runs down a mountain and it gathers more and more snow. The worse that you communicate, the more poor communication that you get in your marriage gets more anger, gets more frustration, gets more built up, and that poor communication can damage your marriage. You know, communicating needs to be deliberate in marriage. It means sitting down together, turning off the television and the distractions. It means laying down the anger and the frustration, and it means seeking to understand the other person's perspective. It's about walking in their shoes trying to understand it from their perspective. And then your partner understanding it from your perspective. You hear each other well and then you come together and you work out a middle ground, you work out a way forward and together, one flesh, working together, you move forward. My wife and I, Michelle, we um, are pretty good at communication. But, but about six, seven years ago, we got stuck around kids and, and, and how to raise our kids. And we had lots of disagreements about what was appropriate and what wasn't. And Michelle was much more strict. I was much more lenient. <laughs> and so we went and got help. We went to a marriage counselor. We did four or five sessions with a marriage counselor who helped us talk it through and come up with a way forward, which helped us um, lead our kids well, parent our kids well, which was a huge blessing. If you're listening to this and you struggle with communication, Hey, you can get better at it. You can go and get help. You can learn the tools to become a better communicator in your marriage. And, and if you get better at communication, it's one way to protect your marriage. The second thing, the second thing I want to talk about that will damage, that will damage your marriage is this. Holding on to the past or having unforgiveness. I don't know if you've ever been in an argument and the person brings up something that, that you did three years ago or six months ago or three months ago and they're still holding on to the past and they bring it up and you're like, that was ages ago. That's so far, so far gone. But the person is still holding on to it. You know, in a marriage, conflict just is normal. Conflict makes sense, particularly at the beginning of marriage. You get two different people from two different backgrounds, from two different families, from two different ways of doing things. And in marriage, usually opposites attract, opposites attract. And then you're supposed to come together, become one and do things together, live together. No wonder you have arguments. No wonder there is conflict. It makes sense. And in, and in marriage, you're going to have conflict. You're going to have arguments. You, you're going to have disagreements. But in that moment, where you have a disagreement, where you have an argument, where you have a conflict, your next step is so important. Is your next step to forgive, to release, to say, I'm not going to want to pay you back for how you just treated me. I'm going to release that. Or is your next step to hold on to the past, to hold a grudge, to get bitter, 
to get resentment, to get unforgiveness in your heart. So you have a choice. Whenever there's an argument in marriage, whenever there is difficulty, when then, when there is, whenever there is conflict, and let me tell you, you're going to have it in marriage because it's part of the journey. Your next step is critical. You can choose to let go or hold on. And when you hold on, friends, unforgiveness, they say, is like a deadly poison that you drink and you hope the other person dies, but it actually kills you. It's a, it's a deadly poison that, that uh, wrecks you. And in marriage, resentment and bitterness puts up walls between you and your partner. It wrecks intimacy. You're no longer as close. You no longer share your deep thoughts and passions and emotions with them because you've got all this stuff against your partner and, and, and they owe you. Unforgiveness holding on the past can damage your marriage. And if you're in that place today, let me encourage you to turn to Jesus, to turn to God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, who gives us the most wonderful example of forgiveness, of letting go, and we see it in the gospel. The Bible tells us that all of us get it wrong. All of us hurt God. And but yet God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross so that we could be forgiven, that our wrongdoing could be paid for. And instead of us being out of relationship with God, instead of God being angry with us, through Jesus, he makes a way for us to be forgiven. That is the most beautiful picture of forgiveness, where we treat God so poorly, and yet he chooses to love and make a way for us to be forgiven. He's a beautiful, beautiful picture. That is an incredible example of letting go and not holding on. That's the second thing. The third and the final thing I want to share with you today, three things that will, that will damage your marriage is this. Number three, stopping the pursuit. On Facebook this week, I was trolling through my Facebook pages and I saw a man in our church named Ross put up a wedding anniversary picture. There's Ross and there's Nikki, um, a great couple in our church. They're a real blessing. And this is, what Ross, uh, this is what Ross wrote on his post. He wrote, 41 years ago, I won better than Lotto. And let me tell you, Nikki is an incredible woman. And Ross, let me tell you, you're definitely punching above your weight there. Nikki is awesome. Yeah, I think you did win the Lotto there, brother. But as I was preparing this message, this this. This Facebook post so, so captures what I wanted to say. And I'm not saying this is true for Ross and Nikki, but I uh, want to grab this idea of I won. Men, let me talk to men for a few minutes. You know, when, when our men think about marriage, they often think of it like a race or an adventure or a hunt where they are on an adventure, on a race to get the girl of their dreams part of their life and to marry them. And so the man sees their woman from a distance. The woman goes, she's pretty amazing. They start a conversation and then the pursuit happens. The man buys flowers, goes on dates, writes little love letters, says how valuable she is to him. And the woman feels like she is the most important person in that man's world. And that's how it should be. It's a beautiful picture. But then... They get engaged. They get to the wedding day and it's a massive celebration. But then maybe straight away or one or two or three years into the marriage, 
the pursuit can stop. The man can think, I've won, and sit back in his lazy chair and say, I've, I've, I've won the race, I've, I've done my hunt, I've finished my adventure, I'm done now. And the pursuit of the woman stops. There's no more flowers, there's no more dates, the pursuit stops. There's no more intimacy, there's no more love letters, there's no more telling, communicating that this woman is the most important person in the man's life. The pursuit stops. And this isn't just true for men, this is true for women as well. Men, women, you need to pursue your man. You've got to make him feel valued and loved and supported. And men, the same, we've got to pursue our wives and help them feel like they're the most important person in our world because they're supposed to be in marriage. Our partner is supposed to be the most important person in our lives. But one of the things that damages marriage is when the pursuit stops and the woman feels like she's no longer valued like she was. She's no longer important like she was. And so there becomes a gap, a chasm, disappointment that becomes hurt. There's feelings of rejection, resentment, bitterness. And those things can damage your marriage just like it damaged mine. I shared at the beginning of this message that our first year of marriage was wonderful. It really was. But then we bought a house and I got involved in ministry and we had a child and I started to, to pursue ministry and fixing up my backyard and I stopped pursuing my wife. And as I said before, it, it damaged my marriage and it took me a few years to recover. Now we're doing great, but it took me a few, years to, a few years to recover because I pursued other things rather than my wife. And friends, if you're listening to this and you can relate to this, my encouragement to you is go and pursue her, go and pursue him again. You can change it. Go and pursue them again. So friends, here are the three things, three things that will damage your marriage. Number one, poor communication. Number two, holding on to the past. Number three, stopping the pursuit. I wonder which one you can relate to the most. Now, if you're not yet married or you've been married and marriage is hopefully in your future again one day, my encouragement to you is to avoid these things. When you, when you do get married, avoid them because they will damage your marriage. But if you are married and you can recognize that one of these things is, is part of your marriage, well, I want to give you some hope. The first hope is this. If you struggle with your communication, friends, you can learn it. There's plenty of counselors. There's, there are leaders in our church that you can speak to. You can read books on how to communicate well, and you can take your communication from poor to really great in your marriage. If you're holding on to the past, friends, you can choose to forgive. And if there's so much pain and hurt, you can go to God and say, God, I need to forgive, but I'm really struggling. Will you help me? And the thing about God is that he always helps us do the things that he wants us to do. And he wants you to forgive. So asking God, I'm struggling to forgive. Will you help me? And God will change your heart, move your heart. And you can mend that relationship. And number three, if you stop the pursuit, men, go, go pursuing again. Pursue that woman. Woman, pursue that man. Make that person the number one person in your life again. Rekindle that which has been lost. Rekindle that which has been lost. 
at the end of this message, I'm about to close, I'm about to pray for each one. I encourage you that, that if you're married, to talk to your spouse about these things. And don't just do it yourself. Say, which one do you think we struggle with? Which one can we work on? And talk about it. Pray about it. Protect your marriage. These things can seriously damage it. I encourage you to be deliberate to protect your marriage. I'm going to close in prayer. I'm going to pray for those who aren't yet married and those who are married. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for marriage. We thank you that it's your idea and that you gave it to us and that it is so good for humanity. Father, I want to pray for everybody who's listening to this who's not yet married. Father, I pray that they'll become marryable, that they will work on themselves so that when they are married, they'll have a great foundation to live an incredible life with their partner. And Father, I want to pray for all the marriages. Father, I pray that you would bless them. Father, I pray the blood of Jesus over every marriage, the people of LifeGate Church, everybody who's watching this. Father, I pray a blessing on their marriages. I pray that every marriage, Father, will, will I look at the staff where they're struggling and that husbands and wives will talk about that and they'll be deliberate in working on it and getting better at it and so that, so that their marriage would flourish, their marriage would thrive. Father, I pray your hand and blessing on every marriage. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for being part of this today. It's a real privilege to share with you. Thanks for being part of it. Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers.